Hey guys, Bud Elliott here of the Nolcast, and tonight will be a solo Nolcast. We hope it's kind of a, I don't know, Jordan flu game show. Both my kids are sick. I feel like I'm coming down with a little uh, little nasal thing, and Ingram, I think he had, he had like, a, like a pinched nerve in his back. So um, anyway, we've already recorded a special Boston College interview with a guest. We don't always do guests, but I felt like we had a really strong one, somebody I know from Twitter, who happens to cover Boston College, so you'll hear that later in the episode. Of course, tonight's show, as always, brought to you by all of our fine sponsors, Tarpon Cellars, Louisiana Hot Sauce, to name two, just right off the top. Also, Charlie Park. Uh, I know we have a lot of people going in for brunch this weekend, so that should be an awesome time. Make sure you let us know if you stop over to Charlie Park. All right, so let's go ahead and break down Boston College just a little bit from a stats perspective. I feel like that's something I'm well-equipped to do here because I've been looking at this game quite a bit this week. Uh, but before we do, we're going to need to talk about who's actually going to be available to play and who will not be available to play. As you probably saw, Noel's 24-7 practice report. Uh, Jordan Travis did practice this week. Just from people I know, they are uh, extremely pleased with the level of recovery that Jordan has displayed in the 96 hours following the game. Now that does not mean he's going to play or not play against Boston college on Saturday night. I don't know if he's going to play or not. Right. I think if he had to play, he probably could. That doesn't necessarily mean that he will play. I mean, there's a lot of different things that could happen in this scenario. You do have Tate Rodemaker, who I'll talk about in just a minute, uh, who, was capable in limited, uh, you know, ask on Friday night in beating Louisville. Didn't ask him to do a whole lot, of, whole lot, but he did do what they asked him to do pretty well. Uh, Jordan, my guess, if he does play, is that they will limit the designed running, which normally in any other year that FSU has had Jordan Travis, you would say, well, if we're going to limit the design running, what? Why are, are are you playing the guy, right? Because he's throughout his career, primarily been a running quarterback. And he still has that running dimension when healthy. Uh, but this year, he's been so much of a better passer and seems to operate more of the offense overall. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if they played him. It would surprise me a, a little bit as of Thursday. So we'll see. I mean, I I don't really know at this point. I don't even know if the staff has made up their mind. And honestly, I, I wouldn't make up my mind at this point if I was the staff unless it was clear he could not go. Uh, but I I don't think the will he or won't he thing here is entirely gamesmanship. I, I do think there is an element of maybe he actually is making this much progress. I certainly didn't expect him to practice following that hit on Saturday night, and yet, yet he's out there Tuesday and Wednesday. So uh, obviously, I mean, if, if you saw the, the photos of guys walking into practice, Jared Verse and Robert Scott, not in pads. I mean, that's pretty public knowledge at this point, not not spilling state secrets. Uh, it's all over Twitter. Uh, my guess is those guys are actually going to come back faster than initially thought, but probably not for this game. I think that's the only major like new injury type question that we might have to discuss, right? Fabian Lovett. Uh, I know we said last week we thought that would probably be a couple weeks. So maybe back by Wake, maybe back by Clemson. And who knows at this point? I mean, is Wake going to get played? Is there going to be a huge hurricane coming and maybe move that game or 
reschedule that game. Hope not for people traveling to town, but obviously things happen, right? We do live in the state of Florida. Currently, the line on this game is 17, and the over-under is 48.5. Now, my thought here is that this line reflects a line of Tate Rodemaker playing. I don't think this is the line you would have if Jordan Travis was starting for the game. So if you ask Vegas, okay, they don't think Travis is playing based on the current number. Does Vegas actually know in this case? I kind of doubt it, to be honest, because I'm not really sure the staff knows. Maybe, maybe he will. Maybe he won't. But if you're Vegas, you can't set the number, at assuming Travis will play, after the whole nation saw the, the, the shot that he took uh, on Friday night at Louisville. What else do you do differently with Rodemaker in this game? Last game, you ran a lot of that RPO glance stuff. I think, was it six, six out of the 10 passes that you threw? I think were that, maybe five out of 10. So, okay, can do some of that. How much drop back do you actually want Rodemaker to do? How much can he read a defense? He can certainly hand off pretty well. Last game, he did have that impressive scramble. Maybe you want to run him some. I mean, he's not a Jordan-level runner, but he's not uh, a total statue. And then how much other offense can he run? Certainly, if you're prepping him this way, like he's going to be your starter. And I mean, common sense says he's the one who needs to take the first-team reps in practice this week because, I mean, duh, right? If Jordan can't go, you need this guy to get experience. Jordan is extremely experienced within your system. So how much more can he actually do? He can throw screens. He can he can throw some of that RPO stuff. Do you trust him to drop back that much? And how much do you need him to drop back? That's a really important question in this ballgame. And as you'll hear in our feature interview, I mean, guys, I, you know, line is 48, spread 17-ish. That kind of implies like, you know, a, a 32-16 ball game. Does 24 or 27 points win you the ball game here? I I think there's a pretty good chance 24 does. And I think there's a very strong chance that 27 does, simply because of the offensive line problems that Boston College has had. Uh, to review, if you have not listened to our prior shows, and everybody's podcast is somebody's first. Mm, I don't know if I said that the right way. Every podcast is somebody's first. Boston College lost four offensive linemen to the NFL. Not all the draft. I think one kid went undrafted, but they're all you know on NFL rosters, I believe. Then they lost the guy who most people think was the best guard in the ACC, number two guard in the country, Christian Mahogany, to a knee injury in the offseason. All right. Then they lost uh, their other guard, Klein, to an injury in game three, I think it was. So that's problematic. Then they lost Ozzy Trapillo, who may come back this week. He has practiced in limited capacity, uh, full contact, but limited number of reps. We'll see if this is the game that Boston College chooses to bring him back. Maybe they will. Maybe they will not. Um, but Boston College so far has played Rutgers, which is an okay defense. Rutgers lost some pretty important dudes. They played Virginia Tech, who has an all right defense. Okay. I mean, it's not great. It's not terrible. And they've played Maine, which is a quality FCS team. 
but it is an FCS team. So, you know. All right. Rutgers held Boston College to 21. It was that home game. At Virginia Tech, BC scored 10, and that was, I think, special teams aided. Against Maine, they scored 17, but they did allow, I think, nine tackles for loss. I'll share some important stats with you that, that should kind of inform uh, your opinion of this team. Currently, Boston College is 126th in the nation in pressure rate allowed. However, they are 8th in the nation in blitzes against. So what does that tell me? That tells me uh, that Boston College is giving up a ton of pressure, but you're not really having to blitz them all that much per drop back, right? Now, some people do decide to blitz them because they're really not handling it very well. I don't know how much you actually need to blitz these guys. If I'm FSU, I mean, this. some people may not like this, You've seen it work and not work in in the prior two games, LSU and Louisville, to various degrees. But if you're those guys, I might play a lot of lot of two shell here to see if I can take care of the run game without it. The quarterback Phil Dracovic, I think, is a very good player, talent wise. He's a guy who, due to circumstance, given that he was injured last year and this year his entire offensive line seems to be totally nuked, may not develop quite enough. But he certainly is developing better at Boston College than he was in Notre Dame when he was a former four-slash-five-star prospect uh, and signed with the Irish out of high school. This kid does have a big arm. He is a capable playmaker. He is a like a decent athlete for his size, but he is not a Lamar, Lamar Jackson. He is not a Cunningham. He's not a Daniels in terms of, of the last two guys being the last two players you faced from the quarterback position which is important because those guys rushed for about 200 yards, maybe a little bit more uh, combined rushing against the Seminoles. You know, it's worth knowing. So how well will Boston College actually run the football? My guess here, and I know FSU is listed as having a poor run defense, but I think running backs this year have actually not done a great job against the Knolls for the most part, uh, whereas quarterback run has hurt them quite a bit, especially scrambles. This is a different game plan for the Knolls. This is not inside information. It's just common sense. If you're not having to worry about QB run quite as much, you're, you're not going to rush in the same way. Boston College this year, and I'm, yes, I'm reading off the screen. I don't, I don't feel great today. 111th in rushing success rate, 120th in rushing explosiveness, 131st in stuff rate allowed, 36% of all Boston College runs this year are being stuffed at the line of scrimmage. That includes the main game, where they played FCS. Now, passing-wise, they have hit some explosive passes, but they have not been a consistent passing team aside from that. Really, that's been their only true source of scoring. They have a receiver who I think might be the best receiver in the ACC. This Zay Flowers kid is nasty, okay? 36 targets, so he's a high-volume guy. I mean, 36 targets in two games is pretty nuts. Uh, FSU's leading target guy through three games is Johnny Wilson with 17. So he has more than double the targets of Johnny Wilson. And Johnny Wilson last game had nine targets, seven catches, two PIs drawn. 22 catches for Zay Flowers, 285 yards. Uh, 
he's their go-to guy. He is the guy we talked about over summer who teams were trying to lure away via the transfer portal and money, and uh, he was able to keep it together, which was awesome for Boston College. They have some other options. Jalen Gill is kind of a veteran guy. George Takis, as you'll hear in the interview, they do some stuff with him. Defensively, I honestly, I think they're fine for the most part. Like This is a, a quality defense. They've allowed some explosive runs, but other than that, they stopped the run pretty well. Defensively, they've allowed some explosive passes, but they, for the most part, do a nice job. Now, I will say this. Even with Rodemaker, if he does have to play, FSU's offense is clearly better in my mind than Rutgers, and I think they're better than Virginia Tech, even with Rodemaker. With Jordan Travis, it's not even the same stratosphere. I just watched, as we record this, if you want a time of night that I'm doing this, pretty late, later than normal. Virginia Tech just posted a 0% success rate rushing against West Virginia in the first half in Lane Stadium. You know, Hokie Stadium, whatever you want to call it. I think it's Lane Stadium. FSU is most likely, even assuming Scott doesn't play, which I think is just common sense, given that we haven't seen any picture of him wearing shoulder pads, right, walking into practice this week. Um, They are a better offense than those things. I think they can run the ball some, on Boston College and use some of their outside playmakers to move the football. But I do think there is, if Rodemaker plays, a likelihood that this game is a slog type of game, right? Anyway, defensively, it's going to communication, making Boston College earn it, knocking them off schedule, which means tackles for loss on first, or tackles for loss on first and second down. And offensively, I mean, Punts in this game are not the enemy. If you want to punt the ball some, it's probably fine. Just no freebies for this Boston College offense. Absolutely force them to prove that they can do it, that they can own it. And we will uh, we'll see if they can. I will say this year on kickoffs, aside from the penalties, Fitzgerald has actually been – or sorry. Fitzgerald has actually been really good, so I'm impressed there with that. Uh, but – you know, this is a, a special teams unit. They're not doing very well on kick returns. They're not doing very well on field goals. Boston College is, you know, okay there. Um, but they are also, they're better with like punt returns, but they're not as good. Like the field goals, they're similarly pretty pretty struggling. They are one of three on field goals under 40 yards. And they are one of two on field goals over 40 yards. So they are two of five on field goals on the year. FSU is three of six. Not a lot of great field goal kicking going on here in this ballgame. Let's go ahead and get to the interview. Afterwards, we will get to our prize picks, and I'll give you a prediction, and then Ingram will cut this up and edit it, and we will get it out to you guys. The interview here uh, will be brought to you by the legendary team, Chad and Shannon, 844-FSU-LOAN. It's 844-FSU-LOAN, as well as Congruity HR Solutions. We use both these companies. We cannot recommend them enough, right? I've, I've used them twice. Obviously, Ingram has used Congruity with his business. A number of NOL listeners have used Legendary as well. It's like 450 of y'all have had <laughs> your mortgage now to the Legendary team. Uh, and I think we are up to five businesses now who are using Congruity HR. So if you run a business, absolutely give them a call. Staffing, payroll, any kind of HR solutions you might need, Congruity can help you out. All right, here's the interview. All right, guys, now please to welcome in Andy Backstrom, of Eagle Action. Andy, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, bud. Thanks for having me on. 
no doubt about it. So Boston College this year is a team that I, I was kind of high on coming into the season, uh, or at least until you know, guard Christian Mahogany uh, you know, messed up his, his, his leg in the offseason. But I, I thought, you know, get, get Indrakovic back. They were a decent team last year when he was in, and it just – they feel snake bit to me right now. man. Are they – I don't know what. What are your thoughts on this season? I guess I don't really have a great opening interview question posed for you here. This is this is bad journalism on my part. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you're right. The last two years has been a lot of buzz around Boston College of potentially being a dark horse in the Atlantic Division. Last year with Dracovic having a hand injury that cost him six games, that was a mulligan for that season. And then this year, more injury problems. Except now it's up front. So they lost four guys to the NFL or graduation, headlined by Zion Johnson, who is now with the Los Angeles Chargers, a first-round pick. And then their one returning starter, as you mentioned, was Christian Mahogany, a guy that Mel Kuyper had as the number two guard going into the 2023 draft prospect. Um, but he's gone. ACL tear, you know, so he's expected to miss the whole year. Then of the five week one starters up front, two have already been hurt. One tore his ACL and was out for the year. Another's had a knee injury that's cost him two games. He might come back. That's Ozzy Trapillo, the left tackle. He might play this Saturday. He's practiced full contact uh, this week, but in limited reps. So it's up in the air if he'll play. It would be a huge boost to BC if he does play. He is their best offensive lineman. But again, that's relative. This whole group is very inexperienced. Ozzy Trapillo had two starts uh, in his career before this season, and that's tied for the most of any of the returning uh, BC offensive linemen that are healthy. So this group up front, you know, it's uncharacteristic for BC. They're known for O-line. You know, it's like Notre Dame or, you know, any of these big O-line U schools that like to claim that title. You know, they usually pump in guys that are ready to play, even if they haven't started many games before. But this year it's been a problem. And ultimately, what kind of offense do you have if you don't have an offensive line? For sure. And it it looks like the kid who was re replacing uh, Trapillo either is or was a walk-on is that is that like he wasn't on my scholarship roster that, that i, I kind of keep for my personal notes is, is that is he a walk-on he's a he's a former preferred walk-on now okay. he's on scholarship but yeah when he arrived at bc he was a a, a preferred walk-on they've elevated him to a scholarship player but yeah i mean they didn't expect him to be playing this early that's for sure and they put him at left tackle last week um you know i gave up a sack he also gave up four pressures i believe so, and then he came in in the second half against Virginia Tech to replace Kevin Klein, who's the right tackle who, who suffered an ACL tear of his own. And, um, and, and Nick Thomas, that former Ford walk-on, struggled in that appearance too. So it's a tough situation for him. Certainly, you know, not in a position that you would think he would be in this early in his career. But yeah, they've got problems up front, that's for sure. No doubt about it. But Djokovic's still one of the better quarterbacks in, in, in the league, I, I think. But how have you been able to judge what he's done this year? Given, I mean, I think, I think Maine had what ten tackles for loss. Like he is dodging quite a bit of of action in the backfield there. I don't think he expected that to, to do. It's really interesting because Dracovic, One of the things that made him so great in 2020, and the reason why he jumped off the page to NFL scouts was because he was so good under pressure. He led the country in passing yards under pressure in 2020. So even with all the offensive line concerns this offseason. I thought, you know, he would be fine because he faced a lot of pressure in 2020 and they didn't have much of a run game that season either. And I thought, no, he would just do his thing. Um, but he hasn't been as great under pressure this season. I don't know if that's because they tried to make him more into a pocket passer, if he's trying to take fewer hits because of his injury concerns. I don't know if that's kind of gotten in his head a little bit. 
but he hasn't been quite accurate like he was, especially on downfield passes. Like before last week against Maine, he came in two of 11 on passes, traveling 20 or more yards downfield for PFF. Uh, he was three of eight on those passes against Maine. But again, that's Maine, right? You know, you're going to have wide receivers that are going to beat the secondary downfield. and You're going to have openings uh, that you probably won't have against Florida State um, this week. So I think, you know, he's he's been up and down. He's had moments where you're like, okay, that's the quarterback that could be a second round pick in the NFL draft. And then you have moments where like, wait a second, um, who is this guy? You know, um, so I think that's something that you got to monitor going forward. I remember last year thinking FSU is is out playing Boston College, and yet Dracovic is just like he manning Jermaine Johnson off him, and then just staying up somehow. And, and there, there's a to quote Aladdin, like how many times do I have to kill you, right? Like like they just they, were, they kept coming at him in waves. He just kept shrugging him off, and that was one of the toughest QB performances I, I've, I've seen, just in terms of the, the the size of the hits he was taking and staying upright. He was obviously looking for Zay Flowers, you know, whenever he could. I know they targeted Zay, I think, 13 or 14 times against Maine. Who are some of the other targets that Knowles fans should know uh, if, if FSU decides we're, we're going to go ahead and double uh, Zay Flowers? Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of teams are trying to bracket Zay, so they'll go yeah. over, under, uh, in and out. Um, but he's still getting targets. I mean, he's got 34 targets through three weeks, which is insane, considering yeah. BC's next leader in targets is 22 at George Takis, a grad transfer tight end from Notre Dame. But uh, wide receiver Jaden Williams is a guy to know. He's similar to Zay, just very quick, off the release, can get downfield, can blow the top of the secondary. Uh, he's had, I think, four touchdowns this season, had a jet sweep touchdown last week against Maine. Um, certainly a speed demon himself. And then Jalen Gill's another guy to know. He's a veteran. He started his career at Ohio State, transferred over, has had more of a role at BC. But, you know, he often doesn't get the targets I think he, he probably deserves. Um, he's often open. Uh, but with Zay and Jaden, uh, there's just not always the targets to go around, especially when you're getting pressure so often that BC's been having. Um, so those are two other receivers to know. They've got a true freshman, Joe Griffin. He was a former four-star, which for BC is a pretty good get uh, from Springfield Central in Massachusetts. Um, he's had a few targets the last couple of games. The snap count is going up. He's six foot four um, and and has pretty good speed himself. So that's a guy I think. As we go forward in the season, we'll see more and more of um, tight end. George Takis, again, is, is someone that if BC's playing well, he'll have a lot of targets. Hunter Long is a guy people might remember from a few years ago. He ended up on the Miami Dolphins, but he led all tight ends in receptions in 2020 with 57 catches. And BC is using George Takis in a similar way. You know, a lot of just short routes into the flat uh, over the middle of the field to open things up for those receivers on the perimeter. He's had uh, two really good games. Virginia Tech, he wasn't very active, but um, the last, you know, against Maine and against Rutgers, he's had a bunch of catches. And in, any of our, our listeners down there in Southwest Florida uh, might remember George Tech. He actually played, I think, at Gulf Coast High School way back in the day before he signed with Notre Dame. I remember, remember seeing him down there. It would seem unlikely that Boston College's offense is in position to explode for a whole lot of points. So if the Eagles are going to find a way to win this game, it would be, you know, I guess the three score upset where, where the line currently sits. It has to be with the defense creating short fields, maybe even scoring itself. I, I would think what, what are you seeing from Boston college's defense so far this year? The defense has been good. I don't think it's taking that step to be great. You know, they were good last year too. And, and the big thing they needed to improve upon was their run defense. Uh, they were not great against the run last year, especially 
against dual threat quarterbacks um, and just a lot of the shifty running backs gave them problems. They've been better at times this year, but again, uh, there's been moments where they've been gashed like week one against Rutgers. The game winning drive that Rutgers had was 11 plays on the ground for 96 yards. I mean, that's just gut wrenching. If you're watching that as a BC fan, seeing Rutgers march down the field like that on the ground. Week two against Virginia Tech, again, they were better, but there was one play where Keyshawn King of Virginia Tech ran for a 65-yard touchdown practically untouched. So, again, that, that's a big play. Um, against Maine, they were good, but, again, that's Maine. That's an FCS opponent, so I, you can't take too much uh, into that game. So I, I think, you know, look at FSU's backs. They've got four guys right now averaging over 5.7 yards per carry or something like that. I mean, that's pretty lethal. So that's going to be a big thing, you know, at the line of scrimmage. Not only can BC offensive line hold their own, but can the defensive line get pressure and, and generate some TFLs and, you know, set some tough positions for third and long for whether it's Jordan Travis or Tate Rodmaker at quarterback. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, they got to force turnovers. They haven't been great at that. They forced three against Maine, but before that they had only one all season. Um, they got to score on those turnovers. That's something that BC hasn't really done the last couple of seasons. Um, and special teams has to be better. I mean, again, when the offense isn't producing, you got to wait on that offensive line to get more experience and be better. You got to be great in the other two phases. And last week against Maine, they had a 17 yard punt that was shanked. Uh, they gave up a 73 yard kickoff return. So they've generally been better on special teams. They also missed two field goals in that game. So, but you got to be sound against Florida State um, in, in those two phases if the offense is going to be a little bit, you know, on the back burner. Noel's fans certainly familiar with missing kicks so far this year. I, I think uh, Fitzgerald has three misses, including two uh, two pretty notable ones there against Louisville. Uh, you mentioned the run defense at times uh, allowing explosives. Is this guys getting moved off the ball, or is it like not playing together and not, not fitting the run right within the scheme? What What's causing that to you? Week one, it was a lot of miscommunication. I mean, guys just weren't in the right places, especially on that drive I mentioned, the gash to – 11 straight run plays basically for 96 yards. I mean, people were just slow to the ball. Um, it didn't look like they all knew where to be lined up. I mean, that's concerning when you forgot a system that's been in place for three years, a defensive coordinator that's been there for a long time. But again, generally this defense has been good enough to win you games. Uh, but again, without an offense that's putting up points against top tier competition or even mediocre competition, we'll, we'll call that for Rutgers and Virginia Tech, uh, you're not going to be able to to win games. So, again, I think the run defense has improved since last year. I, I think you're going to see better push up front. They've got a couple guys. Uh, Chibuzi on Wuka is back this year. He was out last year with an Achilles tear. Uh, he's he's a force up front. Donovan Ezeraku is a big name to know for BC. He's been their biggest emerger for a pass rusher. Um, you know, he's got seven pressures generated so far, two forced fumbles, a couple sacks. Just a really quick guy, default leverage because he's a little bit shorter. Uh, but, you know, he's quick and he's good in run defense, too. He's put on weight. He's up near 245 pounds now, and that's helped him in run D. Um, so, you know, they have improved in that department, but I think it's just a matter of being sound and disciplined for all 60 minutes. Like they've had games where they've been good for maybe 55 minutes, but then there's been a few minutes here and there that, yeah, they've given up one explosive or not. But in a game like this where you got to be pretty much perfect if your offense – isn't scoring points, you know, you can't allow any of those. For sure. And like, like, like you said, obviously, if you're, if you're not scoring points, it, it, the margin for error is, is pretty slim. I, 
I'm interested to see how, how Boston College defends Rodemaker if, if FSU does in, indeed decide uh, to sit Jordan Travis. That maybe sit's not the right term. We, we, we really don't know at this point if he's going to be you know cleared to play or not, but you know he did practice yesterday, as was reported. Uh, yeah, man, I, I'm interested to see how this plays out. I, I feel like FSU fans are pretty hyped for this one. You know, they're 70,000 plus in, in Tallahassee. It looks like they, it you know, could be a sellout. Weather is finally going to be nice in Tallahassee. It'll be kind of 70s low humidity at kickoff so it uh, could be a, a quality tailgating day are you uh are you heading down for it i am heading down yeah it's actually my first time in dope so night game hopefully they'll sell out um yeah i think it'll be a good atmosphere for bc you know they've already played on the road at lane which i know is about thirteen thousand seats less than florida state stadium but still that's a night atmosphere and certainly yeah. a good atmosphere to have week two on the road so i think they'll be a you know prepared for what they'll see uh in terms of just the energy that you'll get there, but you got to start fast. Uh, that's another point. BC, it's opening drives in the in the first three games. They've netted a total of 38 yards and zero points. Um, so you got to have a fast start. And, and BC likes to defer. So if they win the toss, you'll see them defer to the second half and uh, have the opponent receive the opening kickoff. But that hasn't happened the last two weeks. And on the second play from scrimmage against Virginia Tech, they threw an interception. Um, and then their first drive against Mames, three plays, one yard, and a punt. So on the road with that environment at FSU, um, with that crowd, I think you got to start fast, uh, whether that's on offense, defense, or special teams. When, when is the bye week for these guys? I feel like, like they, they really could, could use that to kind of heal up and regroup, if you, you, know, if you will. Um, yeah, the bye week comes – so it's October – it's after the October 8th game. So they've got a game – after this against Louisville, then they play Clemson, they get a bye, and then they play Wake Forest after that. So um, it's it's coming, but again, it's it's tough with this offensive line. I think like once they have more protection or, or they get more creative with max protection or you know getting a more twelve personnel packages with the tight end that can help out there, I think you'll see what this offense can do. Um, I, I do. They have a lot of skill players. Like it, it's hard to look at this roster and be like, okay, this is a one and two team that struggles to score points because you got probably their best wide receiver maybe ever at, at Boston College. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who is going to get to be the first BC wide receiver drafted since 1987. So wrap your head around that. Um, and then a quarterback that when healthy and when given the opportunity to make plays, you know, is their best pro prospect since Matt Ryan. So when you got those two things, plus a running back who went over a thousand yards last year, I mean, this is a team that really should be better than it has been in the first three weeks. So it's just a matter of when can that offensive line catch up or at least be okay. No doubt about it. Andy, when you're down there, make sure to hit up our sponsor, Madison Social. They do a great job. It's a, it's a great spot right near the stadium. Uh, burgers, wings, BLT dip are, are always pretty good, but it's it's uh, it's walkable so you don't have to drive around on game day and uh, tell them we sent you. We'll hook you up. Awesome. Awesome, man. Appreciate you joining us here on the NOLCast again, Andy Backstrom of Eagle Action, giving us the lowdown on Boston College. We'll see you there. Thanks, bud. Really appreciate Andy for doing that. And now let's go ahead and get to our prize picks segment where Bud goes through and gives you guys some prize picks. If you want, you can use your promo code NOLCAST, and uh, we will do have some real fun with that. You get 100% deposit match making your prize picks. Just download the prize picks app. You can also play on the website, use promo code NOLCAST for a 100% deposit match bonus. And uh, we also have a cool contest 
going on on Twitter right now, which I think Ingram, gosh, I hope he tweeted it out because I did not tweet it. Let's make sure he, that he did. Yep. Uh, if you respond to that by Saturday morning, there's a tweet on our Nolcast Twitter account that's at Nolcast, uh, which reads, looking forward to a fun weekend with our friends at Prize Picks. Anyone responding to this tweet by 8 Eastern Saturday morning with a picture of their card for this weekend's plays has a chance to have an additional $300 deposited into their account. Uh, from what I've been told, Prize Picks really likes us, which is cool, even though we have been winning uh, quite a bit. So they are they're still letting us play, <laughs> which is good. Still letting y'all play. Haven't heard any different. So uh, fantastic there. Let's go through some. All right. That is one I put together most for Thursday night. We will see if this hits. I'm going to need Virginia Tech's field goal kicker to make one more field goal. And for Bryce Wheaton, the West Virginia uh, receiver, to get three more catches than he has currently. But I'm going to give you guys some here that I think have a shot uh, to hit for this weekend that are not starting yet. So uh, Will Shipley, the Clemson running back, over 70 to 7.5 rushing yards, I think is good. Uh, I expect for Clemson to play with some aggressive pace here, and I think that they will do a nice job running the football against Wake Forest. Uh, I do think Sam Hartman is going to have to pass an awful lot because right now Wake's run game is poor, so there's a number of ways you can attack that. You could maybe take Sam Hartman passing yards, if you wanted to, you could take Sam Hartman fantasy score over 23. Either of those options probably make some sense, assuming that that you know Wake doesn't get shut out. Uh, I think Emory Jones over one half interception for Arizona State makes some sense. I've been reading practice reports this week, and it seems like uh, they may be throwing the football around a little bit more, maybe a little bit more up tempo there in the desert. So increased volume of passes could lead to uh, to some more. Uh, more interceptions there in that one. A couple more for you guys. I, I Look, Georgia State just put up 40 points on Charlotte. Charlotte's secondary is terrible. There are all kinds of articles right now about how South Carolina needs to get its offense right or fire its offense coordinator. My guess here is that Spencer Rattler uh, all of a sudden gets right against Charlotte's defense. 250 passing yards there. I think J.J. McCarthy probably is good for a big scramble or two against against Maryland for Michigan. That's the Michigan quarterback. Uh, over 20 and a half rushing yards for him. Evan Hull, uh, under 95 and a half rushing yards against Miami, Ohio. I think Miami, Ohio is going to really load up to try to take that away from him. Uh, Rodney Gatson, if you guys are a Dolphins fan, you may recall his dad played for the Dolphins. This is uh, Rodney Gatson Jr. And uh, over 44 and a half receiving yards. Syracuse had an important guy go down, so... Uh, he's been getting a greater target share than he had before. And then I, Bo Collins are going less than 52 and a half yards against Wake. I think that the target share will be a little bit different there. Uh, let me see. Anybody else for this weekend? And I have Brendan Armstrong less than 37 and a half rushing yards for UVA. My guess here is that he'll be sacked a decent number of times. And of course, in college, sacks are counted as rushing yards. And in this case, they'd be counted as negative rushing yards. Um, now, as of the time uh, of, of this show, we have some interesting ones in the FSU game. So I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. Phil Dracovic, 217 and a half passing yards. Phil Dracovic, 16 and a half fantasy score. Pat Garwo, 61 and a half rushing yards. Uh, again, that's their running back. It's 10 and a half fantasy score for him. Zay Flowers, five and a half receptions. Zay Flowers, 77 and a half rushing yards. Zay Flowers, 15 and a half fantasy score, Zay Flowers, 0.5 touchdowns, 
And then George Takis, their tight end, 31 and a half uh, receiving yards. Let's go ahead and look at FSU here. All right. And I am actually still looking because I think you guys will probably have to do the same because without knowing if Jordan Travis is going to play or not, it's hard for these guys at prize picks to put up what they want to put up because obviously Jordan being a running quarterback and Tate being a, a not so running quarterback, it does make it difficult to put the projections out. So as of this recording, uh, we do not have lines for the FSU one, but I'm sure we'll put those out on Twitter when they get posted and, and we'll check back in to see just how those are doing. Hopefully you guys uh, have a winning weekend with prize picks. It's a lot of fun just to you know track your guys and whatnot as you sit on the couch and watch the ball games. As for a prediction, um, I, I'm probably just should give you two, right? With Jordan Travis and without. Uh, so here we go. Plug it into my system here. All right. All right. So uh, if it's Tate Rodemaker, I have it 28-14 Knowles. I, I, I mean, again, could be wrong there. Who knows? It's kind of – it is difficult to project just how well or how poorly Tate will play. We just don't know. In his career, he has a ton of interceptable passes, some that should have been picked, many of which were. But he also played pretty well against Louisville, as you have to give him credit for. Uh, but I don't know how well he's going to play over the course of the whole game. I don't know how much risk Mike Norbell is going to allow him to take, right? So if Jordan Travis plays, I think it's more like 35-13 nulls. Anyway. That's my prediction. Uh, not something I have a ton of confidence in because, I mean, you are coming off that really hard-fought game on Friday night, and you also have, uh, I mean, the, the quarterback stuff and then the, you know, the, the practice reps and whatnot are an issue. Anyway, I really hope you guys tune into the Nolcast after the game. I will have the instant reaction for this one, so be, be you know, stay tuned, enjoy, and we will, uh, we'll see you guys again Saturday night, and then probably Sunday or Monday night. Be well. Thanks for supporting all our sponsors. See you then.